clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal. Rainbows high and deep into the end zone. And it is caught. Caught. Caught for a touchdown. A leaping touchdown catch. Here he goes. He'll be chased and he is caught. 97 yards. Does he get both feet in right here at the end, Jim? What are they going to roll it? He caught it? Touchdown! He did what? He did what? He runs to the 50. He runs to the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. We are seeing another spectacular effort by Marino, who fires. Touchdown! Oh, that's loose. Allen steps up. Jumps over the defenders to pick up the first. Says a prayer. Welcome into Simultaneous Catch, folks. I am, of course, Adam Jeffrey Rossi, your resident Buffalo Bills fan. And today is going to be a solo catch episode as Josh and I were unable to match up our schedules. Life gets pretty crazy. We're getting around the holidays. Teachers are losing their minds. And Josh is busy doing great things with his theater in West Virginia. Almost forgot where he was because I was too sad about what happened over this weekend. Regardless, I did say I would put at the top of the show some of my thoughts about the Buffalo Bills, New England Patriots Monday Night Football matchup, and then we'll get to Josh's solo catch right after this. I just got to say, guys, had I been forced to record this directly after that game, it would have been pretty bad. It would have been pretty dark. I would have gone on here and spewed endless amount of stats and criticisms and analyses all directed at the point that we're done we're, we stink we're terrible we can't stop the run we can't run we can't pass block long enough for josh not to get crushed we can't catch a pass it was we can't kick a field goal i know the weather conditions were bad but regardless i was ready to come on and just spew all that rant all that for five straight minutes Talk about how we were going to lose next week against Tampa Bay pretty easily. And then, you know, maybe beat the Jets and the Falcons. And then lose again to the Patriots and be out of the playoffs because we lost week one to the Pittsburgh Steelers on a pump block. I was ready to do all that. I've cooled off. Rewatched the game. Yeah, I know I'm crazy. I do that fairly often, especially in the losses. Rewatched the game. Listen to some Annette analyses of of different moments of the play different decisions that were made and I feel a little bit better I'm still not great because that was a tough loss and it could end up ruining our season I think the biggest point I do want to make however is that this team is still a very good football team we're just not a great football team right now and I have felt pretty confident about that for most of the season that we were a great football team I never really lost hope, even after the Colts game. I know that one stung, but I really felt that that was just one of those game gets out of the hand games. You know, they were up by a couple scores, but we were moving the ball a little bit, and then there was a punt that we muffed, and they got it. Then then they're up three scores, then they're up four scores. And we've talked about it a lot on the show. Very often, games get out of hand like that. Not much you can do. You, You throw that game tape away, the old Rex Ryan trick, you bury it, and then you move on, right? 
And we did. We moved on. We won the next week. And then we came this matchup, and it was, you know, we were ready to go. And I really did think we were going to win this game. I really thought we were the better football team. I think it's hard to judge based off of the, you know, weather, because I think that I do feel that had Mac Jones been forced to actually participate in the game, um, and I'm not being dramatic, he only threw three passes, and he only threw one pass up through most of the first three quarters. I do believe that if he had been forced to participate a little bit more, we would have won that game, because I do think that, and I think that proof of the fact is that Bill Belichick, Joshua Daniels, kind of knew that. I mean, I think that they were smart enough to know if we put this game in the hands of Matt Jones, he's going to make, at the very least, one big mistake that's going to cost us. And it, with judging how close the game was, they're probably right. So I think it was a great you know, game plan by Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick, not just you know, to run the ball, but the way they ran the ball, the different counters they ran. They figured out that they could run the outside power run to the right that was just crushing us all day only a couple of tosses they knew that they could attack the center of the defense with a really clever blocking scheme get a couple of those end arounds to stretch it just enough that eventually they could wear us down and wear the clock out in those quarters where the wind was blowing right in their face right and it worked and it worked great and good for them they they outmuscled us they outplayed us again the biggest point i want to make however though is that a couple of days ago I would have come on spelling doom. I don't think it's doom yet. Depending on what happens against the Buccaneers this weekend, I am still willing to call this team very good with a chance at a playoff run. But we need to fix a lot of things. The offensive line, super inconsistent. We've had a lot of injuries. We had some COVID people in the last couple of weeks. And unfortunately, haven't gotten to play together. I'm thinking and I'm hoping that when we start to play together, we will be much a much tougher matchup right that all being said i do want to give kudos and shout out to the patriots and pats fans listening and all that and i truly mean that i mean you guys beat us and you know i think that i have to eat the humble pie because i think i got a little overconfident and i've tried not to but i was pretty confident and it didn't go our way and we lost so take that on the chin right now you guys are better. You're a top. You're the number one seed. You're now a game and a half, two games above us. Actually, two two and a half games above us. We have one more matchup. I'll be very, very nervous and excited for that. Um, if I'm picking games this week, I am picking Tampa Bay to beat us. So we'll see what happens. I think you guys are in a bye week. Yeah, you guys are in a bye week, and then you come back and play the Colts, and then you play us. So I'll be rooting for the Colts in that matchup so that you know ours can be for the division. But... I think at this point, I'm looking at us getting a wild card spot and hopefully going on a playoff run, but I haven't given up hope yet. I think that this weekend will be tough, and I think that it'll prove a lot to a lot of people if we're able to, in Tampa Bay, much better weather, if we are able to defeat the defending champs. I think people will totally 180 yet again on the Bills, but... That being said, I didn't plan to rant for five to six minutes. I'll turn this over to my best pal in the world, my co-host, my simultaneous catcher, Joshua Thomas Lapping. And uh, I'm sure he has some great things to say. And I won't be able to defend any points that he makes against my Buffalo Bills and deserve a lot of criticism. But that being said, thank you guys for listening. I hope you have a great week. And uh, we'll be back together in the coming weeks, I promise. God bless. And here is the incomparable... Mr. Josh Lapping.
And there you have it. Well, everybody, welcome into Simultaneous Catch. My name is Josh Lapping. I'm going to be flying solo, even though you just heard from Adam Rossi, and I'm sure whatever he did say probably was kind of sad. It's probably a pretty sad day for Buffalo Bills fans out there, but I digress. It was a fun game. I was thoroughly entertained. I laughed a lot, but we will certainly talk about that. I have a lot to say about the Buffalo Bills that I can now say just totally whatever I want because I don't have my Buffalo Bills co-host with me here keeping me in check. So I will talk about that later. But for now, let's continue following the format that we have in our show. And I'm going to get into a rant rave recall similar to what Adam just did. And I'm going to rave. This week, I am going to rave about the Los Angeles Chargers head coach, Brandon Staley. And I'm not going to rave because they weathered a gigantic storm in Cincinnati. Because actually, I will talk about that later and just how wishy-washy both of these teams are. I don't know. It was actually perfectly scripted for what we should have expected because these two teams are hot and cold all the time so that game really wasn't that surprising when you think about it but I will talk about that later what I do want to talk about right now specifically with Staley is the way he handled Joey Bosa and the coaching decisions he made for the sake of his health this week that was something I really really respected and appreciated in case you don't know what happened so Joey Bosa a great defensive player for the Chargers went out early earlier in the game with a head injury and we know the league is cracking down on those head injuries and watching concussions and all of those things so they pulled Joey Bosa he had to go get checked for a concussion it came back negative which is great news but Brandon Staley even in the midst of the comeback and maybe wondering whether or not Cincinnati was going to will their way to win the game etc etc he did not put Joey Bosa in the game because he knows that Joey Bosa has dealt with head injuries in the past we talk so much about the the league and everything with head injuries and how it affects players down the road and, and their lives the greater picture and Brandon Staley really for the sake of his player did something that I'm sure was a really hard decision. I'm sure it wasn't easy to have one of your superstar players on the sideline during a game like this when momentum was definitely swinging back in Cincinnati's Cincinnati's way. So I just really, really appreciated that Bosa came out and talked about because he did have two concussions last year and was talking just about the the mental aspect of that and how it's it's scary, it's hard. So I really respected that Staley made this decision. He obviously has his own history with health issues, overcoming cancer, so he knows what it's like to be in a position of just having to take care of someone's health. So I really, really respected that. He deserves that rave. The Chargers have cooled off a little bit since their super hot start this earlier this year. I, I recalled that I thought they were going to win the division. Right now, that's a little bit of an uphill battle. It's still definitely not out of the realm of possibility. They are sitting in the wild card spot. They are the number six seed right now. So they do have that going for them. But, you know, we still have five weeks to play of football and anything can happen we still have a chargers chiefs rematch to go down so that will be exciting and we will look forward to that but for now i really have to tip my cap not so much just to a football coach but to a human being and that was really awesome really appreciated it and rant rave well deserved 
Moving on, I'm going to go to uh, crushing it. And I'm going to give a crushing it to uh, somebody that we have not got to talk really about, I think, at all this year. And, you know, Minshew Mania is back, everybody. Gardner Minshew got the start for the Philadelphia Eagles after the Eagles ruled Jalen Hurts out with an ankle injury. So we got to see the mustache again under center. And, man, it went super well for Minshew Mania, Minshew Magic, whatever you want to call it. The guy, the crazy guy that I loved raving and ranting about, and maybe he hit a little bit too high of a stardom last year. But on Sunday, everything went his way. He was 20 of 25 for 242 yards, two touchdowns. He rolled into New York rocking a Top Gun look, which I don't know if that's because he was playing the Jets and he was going to be controlling some planes. I don't know, but he looked darn awesome. You know, Gardner Minshew, it's just kind of fascinating. He performed really well in the preseason or in the offseason when competing with with Trevor Lawrence. And obviously, we all knew that Jacksonville was going to go with Trevor Lawrence. So we knew Gardner Minshew wasn't really going to get an opportunity, right? But this guy is a baller. And maybe he had some ups and downs in Jacksonville. But doesn't everybody have ups and downs in Jacksonville? I sincerely hope that even though this was against the Jets, and of course that has to be said, it was just against the New York Jets, and that's that's tough, That's you know, it, but it is what it is. You have to play the opponent that you're given, and Gardner Minshew delivered, but I do hope that Gardner Minshew is able to parlay this and maybe maybe another start. I, I, I don't know any news about that. I haven't seen updates on Jalen Hurts or anything of that nature, but I do hope that Gardner Minshew does get to parlay this into another starting gig down the road somewhere because he's fun to watch and he brings a passion and a love for football that is so amazing. There's a video of him celebrating with his dad outside the game after it's all said and done. He's back in his Top Gear gun. And, you know, it it's just so charming because – and. and Typical Gardner Minshew. He looks angry for a second. Like he's like shoving his dad. Like it just kind of looks aggressive, but it's just pure excitement and love for football and that he was able to get the Eagles a win to get them one game within 500 again. We obviously know the Eagles kind of, they stubbed their toe against the Giants, but they are still trying. They're still right there in the wild card race. Whether or not you like it or not, they're right there. They're going to be sitting around that 8, 9, 10 spot for for quite a while, I imagine. But yeah, I just really love to see him performing well. Had a great connection with Dallas Goddard, who played really, really well. Miles Sanders, it's so good because before Miles Sanders went down, everyone was saying, why aren't you running the football? Run the football. Then Miles Sanders gets hurt, and then it seems like everyone's running the football, just running wild. He did get a little dinged up against New York, New York as well, but was able to come back, turned this game, 24 carries, a buck 20, averaged five yards a carry. It was really good to see Miles Sanders getting the football and being effective with it. But yeah, this is specifically about Gardner Minshew, and it was just great to see that excitement, that energy, that follows him, Minshew magic brings a great love to the game and it was great to see I hope we get to see it some more maybe not this year maybe Jalen Hurts will be back and continue leading that Eagles offense but I do hope that Gardner Minshew gets an opportunity somewhere because it's just fun it's just fun 
and we love seeing fun football, right? That's that's why we all watch the game. So, Gardner Minshew, you are crushing it. Yeah. All right, everybody. Let's talk. Let's talk about the chaos. The controlled chaos, if you will, that we all witnessed on Monday Night Football. Buffalo Bills take on the New England Patriots in Buffalo. It's a crazy night. There were 25 to 30 mile winds, wind gusts up to 50 miles an hour plus. That that's it, it was crazy. And you know, at first I was as I was watching the a little bit of pregame, I was thinking like it's gonna be okay. Like you have Josh Allen, who's a big arm, and Josh Allen threw the football okay, especially when he threw into the wind versus throwing with the wind, where it could help sail a little bit. But I was like, you know what? We've seen a lot of of weather games already this year. I was thinking about the the New England Patriots Tampa game where it was that was a, a monsoon and Mac Jones threw the football just fine in my opinion. But it it certainly is a thing. I did not expect I don't think anybody expected what we witnessed last night of seeing three passes from the Patriots versus I don't remember how many it is. Was it forty eight? Um, it was 46, 46 carries, three passes, 46 carries. That's crazy. But let's, before we get into everything, talk about the weather because, you know, maybe you're thinking, ah, it was windy. Okay. I mean, who, who cares? Like, that's a thing. And, and it is true. I mean, like you think about the places that you think about, Buffalo, Green Bay, think about Kansas City. These are all northern teams that are going to be playing in weather. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, that's windy there. You know, Seattle. Wind, I think, would if you asked professionals what is the most adverse weather that you could play in, and it, it's wind. It's not snow. It's not rain because you can still – grip the ball you can still throw the ball fairly well in those conditions but those conditions won't take the ball places the way wind will wind will just totally change the trajectory of of passes of kicks we saw it so many times last night the kicking game was just almost practically invisible nick folk was able for the patriots was able to convert his kicks which you know that was the difference in the game ultimately where Tyler Bass wasn't able to make his kick attempt. And and it was, I think, his shortest career miss. But it was just, that was the win. That had nothing to do with Bass, in my opinion. He's a great kicker. He's proved that in his second year. And he's, he's reliable. There's a reason that that ball sailed wide right, which is also unfortunate. <laughs> and it was because of the wind. But let's talk about this game now from both team perspectives. And and really what it means, I'm 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 fascinated by this game. I kind of really wish I would have been able to hear what Adam said in his rant rave recall. I wonder if it was a I imagine it was a rant. I just have to imagine it was not a great feeling. And you know, uh as Jenna and I sat on the couch watching the game, we were often thinking about Adam and being like, oh no. But I was also laughing a lot because it was just it was hysterical to see a quarterback just turn around and hand the ball off. I was 
was like, what, what's going to happen? Eventually, they have to break, break a play action off of this, right? Because Buffalo is obviously committing to the run, rightfully so, because they're doing nothing but eventually Max going to keep this ball to himself, and a wide receiver is going to be one-on-one, and it's going to work. I wonder if they had gotten down, if Buffalo had scored the touchdown instead of failing on the fourth, on the fourth down conversion, they had to have tried throwing the football, right? Right? I don't know. It was weird. Anyways... New England came in and and did New England things. They played extremely stout defense. You know, Buffalo's only touchdown was over a botched kickoff recovery. <laughs> that was super, super close. It was a game of inches right there, absolutely. And that was how Buffalo was able to convert and score that touchdown off a, off a really good, strong pass from Allen to Gabe Davis, which got them in the game and kept it, much more respectable than it could have been because if New England had gotten that, I believe at that point they were up. I think it was just the eight points. Yes, it was just eight points, but if they were able to score another touchdown off of that, man, that would have gotten real dicey, even more dicier than it already had been or would be all night, in my opinion. So luckily they were able to capitalize off of that turnover and and score a touchdown there. With that being said, New England did everything that I think New England did. They they played stout. They played good defense. They pressured Josh Allen when they needed to. It wasn't super, super often, but they did it when they needed to. For the most part, were able to restrict Allen from doing his famous rollout to the right. And, you know, anytime you see Josh Allen do that, more often than not, it's going to be converted. And if it's not, it's most likely because the wide receiver dropped it, which is what happened last night. I believe uh, Cole Beasley dropped one and Dawson Knox dropped one on on very similar plays. But yeah, they did a great job of of limiting that because it's pretty much impossible to stop. He's just so talented and can, can use his legs. I was really surprised that we didn't see more running from Josh Allen and whatnot. But yeah, I, I thought it was weird, you know, that they only threw it three times and 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 great for new england having done that i mean it worked they churned out 46 series to 222 yards which is is great they got the job done when they needed to they got stuffed a couple of times which is obviously going to happen when you're running every single time and sometimes not even super disguisingly like they just lined up had a fullback under the eye half back back there as well in a true eye formation like we're running the football and eventually especially near the the red zone on the pats last kick attempt matt milano was able to shoot the gap and they had runs for losses and that that was important for buffalo because if they again scored a touchdown who man i don't even know if we've been talking about it being close regardless I think it's weird that they only threw it three times because, I mean, yeah, I said it before. The wind is always going to be one of the most daunting factors. But there's only going to be so many times that you're able to have a game like this. I mean, if they, the Patriots weren't plucking off five-yard runs, six-yard runs occasionally, you know, they had the, the eight-yard run or Damian Harris— takeaway is like 68 yard touchdown he had one for like 16 where he pulled his hammy again you're gonna they would have to have thrown the ball luckily they weren't put in the position where they had to to win the game but I'm really curious does this have like a reverse impact on on Mac Jones at all did 
did he see it as not having confidence that he could throw the football in, in that weather and that condition? Because you're playing in the AFC East. You're in New England. You're going to travel to Buffalo every single year. You're going to travel to New York. There are going to be weather conditions that eventually they have to do those sorts of things. So I'm just, you know, they got the W. That's great. That's wonderful. Good for them. They are now number one in the AFC. They're sitting in the vaunted number one spot that'll earn that bye heading into their bye week, which is great. All good. They beat the Bills. They beat the Titans. Those are two teams that are vying right behind them, and they did it. But I want to kind of ask at what cost? So now that I focused on the negatives of that, I mean, you just have to allod Bill Belichick because it was just, you know, it was a, a smash of wills. It was just he lined up and did, said, we're going to do what we want to do, and they did it. And that's awesome. It's good. I'm not going to be like Sean McDermott and not give Bill Belichick credit because I what I witnessed, I think, was just one of the coolest coaching games that I've seen in a long time because it was just like we know what we're facing we know what the elements are we know all of these different things that are happening right now and we're going to play it our way and they went ahead and did it and they didn't get stopped they out physical the bills left and right in every which way in my opinion and it was good for the Patriots because they are on a seven game win streak now sitting in the number one seed and and I guarantee you don't they don't want to look back they have a rematch with Buffalo here in a couple of weeks, and Bill said, "You know what? We're gonna be able to throw the ball. Then it's gonna we're gonna be able to open up our pass game. That'll be available to us, which was, you know, funny and cute, I guess. And hopefully, you know, it's gonna be in New England in late December, so there's gonna be weather there too. But they should be able to throw the football. As far as the Bills, man, what the heck?" And this is a team, they started 4-1, and one. they were coming off, they, they lost week one against the Pittsburgh Steelers in, in a close one, they won four straight, including we came on here and talked about the Kansas City Chiefs was the, the game that they needed to win, and they needed to do it if they were going to claim the AFC, and this was the game that they'd spent their offseason planning for and prepping for. Well, it seems like they planned and prepped for that game and maybe that game alone because they have been win-loss, win-loss, win-loss ever since, and they are now sitting with a record of 7-5 and five since that 4-1 and one start, and to be honest, I, I'm not overly impressed with these Buffalo Bills right now. I think they definitely have an abundance of talent to get the ship righted, but I am I am not I'm not high on these Bills right now. I don't think even a Buffalo Bills fan is probably that high on this team right now because it is just not working. We're seeing regression in every which way from last year. We're seeing regression from Josh Allen. We're seeing regression from Stephon Diggs. We're not seeing the gigantic step, in my opinion, in the defense because I think all of that is totally skewed. You know, where everyone that we kept seeing the the stat last night that Buffalo is usually third against the run in in terms of defense and I think you know what I'm gonna throw that stat out the garbage because I think that is kind of a BS stat week one against the Steelers they had a good pass 
or a good rush defense. Najee Harris, obviously in his first game, did not get a lot going. But there were, again, there, there are so many things that are factored into this. It was the first game for Najee Harris. It was the first game for this retooled offensive line. It's definitely a different game right now in Pittsburgh than it was week one against the Buffalo Bills. But I will, I will chalk that up as good rush defense. Week two against the Dolphins. Tua gets knocked out instantly. Miami doesn't even have a good rushing game when Tua's in there. But you add in Jacoby Brissett, who can't really do much of anything. Yeah, you're not going to run the football. It was also a blowout. So you're not going to be like, oh, we're down 28-0. to Let's start running the ball. It's not going to happen. So, yeah, that stat's garbage. Don't care about that one. The Washington football team. Yeah, that was a 21 to 43 and you know what they did a fairly they did a pretty good job against the Washington football team. I will give them that one again cuz it wasn't a huge blowout. They continued to be able to try to run the football and no one ran the ball well. I mean, JD McKissick did technically, but you know, it's on three carries, so it doesn't really matter. I will chalk up that as good rush defense. Following week, 40 to nothing against the Texans. Davis Mills and what was like another monsoon so should have been a good rushing game but the Texans don't run the ball well at all ever to begin with and even when they did run the football a couple of times both Mark Ingram and David Johnson did average over four yards carry they just couldn't do it because they were down so often because Davis Mills kept turning the football over he threw four interceptions throwing that one out the window doesn't matter doesn't count the Kansas City Chiefs yeah they actually ran the ball fairly effectively. Most of it was Pat Mahomes. He averaged over seven and a half a carry. He carried the ball eight times. Daryl Williams, over five yards carry. Clyde Edwards-Alaire did not run well against the Bills. But again, this was a game where most of it, they were down. And obviously, this was when the Kansas City Chiefs were still just chugging along, trying to do something, trying to let Patty throw it every single time to get back in the game. So I, I will say good I will say subpar defense there. And then here we go. This is where it starts to crumble. They get destroyed by the Titans. Yeah, well, I mean, what else do you have to say? Derrick Henry is one of the best pure running backs in the game. It stinks that we are missing him right now. And and that is somebody you, we all know for years I've always been a little bit down on Derrick Henry. But, yeah, he was the reason they won. I came on following that game and said that was because of that that running game. Started to show the chinks in the armor. The next three weeks, okay, sure, so we can we can kind of say, but again, a blowout, uh, no, excuse me, sorry, the, the next week was a fairly close game with the Dolphins, but again, the Dolphins can't run the football against anybody, that's not just Buffalo. The next week against the Jaguars, the Jaguars don't have any offense to begin with anyways, they just won because Josh Allen, defensive player, was able to destroy Josh Allen, offensive player, more so than anything, there was a reason no one scored a touchdown in that game. But again, you know, James Robinson is a good back, but we have seen time and time again that eventually they just can't do anything against that. I'm not even sure he played in that game, actually. So that hurt. So I'm going to throw that one out the window. The Jets, yeah, again. So this is a game where Mike White threw four picks. And when you do that, you have no time to establish the run. Michael Carter did not play well. He did score his rushing touchdown, but, you know, going to throw that one out because when your quarterback's doing that, you have to start just throwing the ball even more so. Then the Colts. Here we go. Again, the Colts came in and ran all over 
the Bills. Our guy that we were talking about, MVP Jonathan Taylor, he ran the ball so well. 32 carries, 184, five yards, four touchdowns on the ground, add one in the air as well. So, following week, Thanksgiving. Again, we're going on our wacky roller coaster right here. Doesn't, you know, we had freaking Trevor Simeon just doing almost nothing, but also no running backs. You didn't have an Alvin Kamara. You did have, oh, you didn't have Mark Ingram. You had Tony Jones Jr. Yeah. Okay, so you stopped Tony Jones Jr. Woohoo! Now, who's to say? Maybe if Kamara plays and they limit him to 55 yards on 16 carries, that's a stupid number. That's great and all good, but they didn't do that. Who's to say? And then here we go against the Patriots. They, obviously, we don't need to keep talking about those stats, but they gave up 200 yards again. Anyone that can come in and just keep pace with the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills can get run on, and we have seen it in these games. I'm not buying the hype that the Buffalo Bills defense is this great run-stop team because I don't think it is. They've been blessed thus far, and it's nobody's fault. You play the schedule you're given against pretty bad teams, the Jets, Trevor Simeon and the Saints with nobody there, the Jags without their best running back which I think is their best offensive player you know they're just not doing a whole lot in my opinion and it has to get corrected because I think the Bills are going to be fine moving down their schedule they have a tough one against the Buccaneers next weekend but after that they very well could win out they have a rematch with the Patriots obviously the day after Christmas and we all know what's going to be on every Buffalo Bills Christmas list is a a revenge game, getting that win back in Gillette Stadium. But right now, I think any team that has a run game in the playoffs can run over Buffalo. Joe Mixon with the Bengals, I think, can run over Buffalo. Even Austin Eckler, I think he will be able to do some damage. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor, if the Colts get in there, can do it. Baltimore Ravens is an interesting one because they are, oh my gosh, all over the place as well. But you know what? They want to run the football, and I think they probably could against this Buffalo Bills defense. It'd be a really fun matchup to watch. So we will see. Right now, I am just not super high on the Buffalo Bills right now. Josh Allen didn't turn the ball over, which is great. Matt Breda did. And what's going on with the Matt Breda experience or experiment? I just don't think, I just, ugh. Like, yeah, like he's fast, but we've seen Matt Breda, and Matt Breda was one of my very favorite players with San Francisco. He came to Miami and didn't do a lot, and he had ample opportunity. I just, and everyone's like, this guy's gonna, this guy's gonna fix it. No, I don't think Matt Breda is any better than Devin Singletary, maybe a little bit faster, but Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, that's the way to go. And if you don't think it's the way to go, then you're gonna have to draft a running back high next year, and that's the way to go because what is this experiment? Like, he's gonna inject life into the run game that wasn't already there? No, get out of here. Whew, okay, take a deep breath, Josh. It's okay. Enough of being mean about the Buffalo Bills and their run defense. And, you know, their running game, I guess, honestly, I was also talking about there. Regardless, what are other cool things that happened in Week 13 of the NFL? The Lions got their first win, so way to be. They bit some kneecaps. You know, honestly, everybody, Adam and I have a now Sunday tradition of us playing video games before the actual NFL games start. Not Madden or anything like that, but we'll usually play like Dead by Daylight or Fortnite because we're really lame, almost 30-year-olds. 
but we use that to pick NFL winners. What how we we have a formula, and we got it right with the Lions. We said the Lions were going to bite some kneecaps this weekend, and they did it. And it was great to see. Adam texted me right after the game and said he got emotional seeing Jared Goff run over and hug Dan Campbell, and it was just you know it was a it was a feel good thing. Afterwards, somebody a reporter asked Dan Campbell what he said to Goff during that moment, and he said, "That's the way to throw it when you need it, mother effer." Dan Campbell, man, you know we have talked. It's been a while since we've talked lines. It's been, it's been a while since we've been on the air. But we talked about Dan Campbell and how we how we like Dan Campbell. And obviously, it's just a first win of the year coming after 10 losses and a tie. But this is still just a coach that I believe in. And I was starting to kind of maybe waver on that a little bit. But I really, I just, I love this energy he brings. This kind of re revitalized me if you will because you know when you when you're losing you just start to feel down in the dumps and obviously I have no ties to the Detroit Lions whatsoever but I'm a fan of football so you want to root for teams to succeed and do well and even if you think they're going to be a bottom feeder you don't want to see them go 0 and 17 or 0 16 and 1 so it was good to see them get that win Jared Goff played pretty darn well um, I believe, yes, he completed 25 of 41 passes for 296, three touchdowns, including that game winner when they needed it most to rookie Amon Ross St. Brown. So, you know, Packers-Lions connection there, the St. Brown brothers. That was Amon Ross St. Brown's first career touchdown. And what a touchdown, first career touchdown to get. I mean, they're not all measured equally, right? To get your first career touchdown in a walk-off fashion and the team's first win after three-plus months of playing the game, that is awesome. Just way to be. I mean, that's a mini crushing it right there. The Lions, they bit some kneecaps this weekend. Dan Campbell swore because that's what Dan Campbell does, and he's a player's coach. I'm really excited to see what this team does in the offseason. I'll be curious to see. They're not locked in to get the number one overall pick now with, with, with what they went on because they have that tie as well. So Jacksonville very well could get there. It'll be interesting to see what happens. We'll see if Detroit does go with the quarterback with the very early pick. But we'll talk about all of that later on during draft season and all of that good stuff coming up here once we have my tag team teammate back there as well. But for right now, Detroit Lions, way to be. That's awesome. You bit some kneecaps. I hope it tasted good. I hope it tasted so good that you're going to want to do some more except for in week 17 or 18 yeah, except for in week 18 against my Green Bay Packers. But next week against the Broncos, hmm, maybe let's see if we can get a string going on here. Detroit, Jared Goff played well. We'll see what's going on with that run game, see if we can get Swift back. I don't have any notes on that, but we will certainly see what's going on. Maybe that tasted so darn good they're going to want to come out for more. The Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers, another, you know, maybe it wasn't super, super exciting, but this was this was a classic AFC North battle between these two teams, and we have seen so many things come down to, to things like this. It's a, it's a good bout. 
I picked the Ravens to win because I said they weren't going to play boneheaded and, you know, they still had a few turnovers but were ahead for some of the game. And then that offense clicked a little bit for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the Ravens continue getting getting bit by the injury bug. Marlon Humphrey out for the season, so they are going to be down in their their cornerback room. And ultimately, that's why John Harbaugh said they went for the two-point conversion instead of playing for overtime. I I didn't love it, but I understood it, especially, you know, coming off the intensity and emotion of that game and thinking about the cornerback room thinking about the cornerback depth, thinking about how Pittsburgh had been moving pretty effectively and how it took a last-second touchdown just to get in that position from the Ravens to begin with. So obviously a bummer if you're a Baltimore Ravens fan because this team is reeling a little bit. And, you know, this was a team that had overcome so much adversity, so much injury earlier on in the season, losing all of your running backs and having all of these things happen having Lamar Jackson out for a little bit, having injuries to the wide receiver room, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's kind of starting to catch up a little bit. And, you know, we haven't seen, in my opinion, maybe the most dominant win that we saw over the, that we saw the Ravens have was way back in week two, week, uh, excuse me, sorry, in week, yeah, week two against the Chiefs. I feel like that might've been the most dominant game that we've seen. And even then, it was a one-point game. But beyond that, I have not really been... Maybe the Colts game, the Colts game comes to mind. That was good to come back in that fashion, win that game that way. But again, that was... I don't even know. Can you say that this team's had a dominant game? The Chargers game, I guess, when looking at the schedule, was on paper the most dominant game of the season because this team... And this is something that we've seen so often. We talked about it last week, maybe because we're not seeing a quote-unquote MVP player because so many teams are going up and down and up and down. The Baltimore Ravens are a key example of that, you know? They they lost opening night against the Raiders in overtime. Then they were able to beat the Chiefs by one. They had a close one against the Lions in which they had to get a little bit lucky and have Justin Tucker kick that field goal, which was awesome, don't get me wrong. Then they beat the Broncos. They did come back against the Colts. Then they get trounced by the Chargers, get trounced by the Bengals, are able to come back, get back on the winning board against the Vikings. Bad game against the Dolphins. Again, there's just so much roller coaster going on here. It's going to be really hard to believe in this team come playoff time because of the inconsistency that up and down and up and down combined with those injuries that are going on. Just think about it. Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey now. Who's back there in the secondary, you know? It's going to be real tough. I believe this is still a team that has enough veteran leadership from a coaching perspective to get where they need to go as in the playoffs, but once they get to the playoffs, man, it's going to be it's going to be dicey because what the heck? I will say though, I'm still upset about Tyson Williams, but I have to tip my cap to Devonta Freeman. He is starting to run with a little more velocity and and, and I can't think of another adjective. But he's starting to run pretty darn well, and it, it took him took him some time to get some sea legs under him, which was a little bit surprising to me because he did play last year for the New York Giants, which obviously is not spectacular, and he wasn't blow your mind out of the water, but he did play. It wasn't like he was coming off the street out of retirement or just not being signed for so long. 
He did play, but now he's just really starting to run with a different energy, in my opinion. And I think that will pay off, excuse me, down the stretch here a little bit because they have the Ravens a real daunting schedule coming up here. They do play the Browns this week, which is in Pals Picks. We will get to that when we get to that. But then they play the Packers. They play the Bengals, who, again, got just smacked them around. The Rams, who have been a little inconsistent, but did get back on the winning track this week. And then they finish off against these Pittsburgh Steelers again, that time in Baltimore. So it might be a little bit different, but that is a doozy of a schedule. Right now, they still are clinging to the lead in the North. But man, that is a tight race because even the Browns sitting in the basement of that division aren't awful. I mean, they're, they're, they're solid. So this division is not decided by any stretch of the means. So I'm really excited to see this Ravens-Browns game, this time in Cleveland. Obviously, they played two weeks ago before the Browns were on bye. So the Browns had all that time to sit there and simmer and think about what they want to do against the Ravens. We'll talk about that one up in Pals Picks. The last game I want to talk about real fast from this weekend is the Chargers-Bengals game because that is the epitome of the roller coaster teams, in my opinion, because we have the Bengals who have been, you know, they can put up 45 against the Pittsburgh Steelers, but then put up seven and get 45 scored on you by those very same Cleveland Browns. And then we have the Chargers who came out and I was all over it. I was like, I didn't even pick them to, to make the playoffs and I think they're going to win the division. Then they started going on this skid a little bit, but they are a, another team. Like I said, they they got blown up by these Ravens, but they are very capable of blowing up another team. So to see the, the Chargers jump out to this lead and then have Cincinnati slowly crawl their way back into it, you know, that 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 game is perfectly epitomized of being that type of game. I would have been very fascinated to see what hadn't what would have happened if Joe Burrow did not hurt his pinky. And I'm gonna be really fascinated to see if that affects him moving forward right now. He's saying it's not going to. He said he's not gonna miss time. He didn't even notice it at first because of all the adrenaline, but you know, that thing swelled up and was ugly and he still put some Pretty good air on the ball, but it definitely, I mean, that was impacting. It has to. That's the pinky on your throwing hand. That's the the finger you're using to grip, really, to grip the football. So it, it has to make an impact. I just hope it doesn't impact it so badly that this team totally can't move the football. And I don't think it should because they have playmakers all over the field. So even if you have to kind of shorten the game, make your players your impact players, I should say, make impact plays, they can do so. And Joe Burrow, or excuse me, Joe Mixon is having one of the best years of his career, in my opinion. So having that guy there in the backfield to turn around and hand the ball off to, that's definitely a great option. But I will say, teams are going to be playing knowing he has that injured finger and being a little rougher on, on Joe Burrow. So it's something worth monitoring. It's something worth watching. Because this is a team that is in the playoff race right now, in the playoff seating. Very well can fall out of it, though, because of how close these races are and everything. But yeah, that was just such a weird game, in my opinion. Like I said, the epitome of the roller coaster ride that this year has been. What else is going on in the NFL? So the 2021 Walter Payton Man of the Year award nominees have been listed. I won't go through all of them because every team is represented. 
in case any of you don't know, this is a very prestigious award. Some say it's the most prestigious award in the NFL and whatnot. It goes to a team or a, a player that has done an amazing, amazing thing to impact their community. So it goes beyond football, which is why it's such an honor. Last year, Russell Wilson won the award. This year, there are names like Mike Davis from Atlanta that are nominated, DJ Moore, Jimmy Graham, Sam Hubbard, Justin Simmons in Denver, Aaron Jones for the Packers, Kenny Moore in Indy, Miles Jack down in Jacksonville, Corey Lindsey over there in L.A., Andrew Whitworth, another L.A. representative, Jerome Baker in Miami, Cameron Jordan from New Orleans, Philadelphia Eagles represented by Jason Kelsey, Harrison Phillips over with the Buffalo Bills. So all of these guys have made, and many, many more that I didn't name. Like I said, I wasn't going to tell you every single one for 30, 32 names because, I mean, what that would what would that be? That'd be weird. Regardless, all of these individuals and, and many more that weren't nominated for this year's award are worthy of receiving the nomination. It's just one from every team. It just really is a great way of, of showing that these men go beyond just the football field. Adam and I sometimes tear up and get emotional about bigger than football, and these are the individuals. It's because of these kinds of movements and work that they're doing that make bigger than football a possibility. They're all impacting their community, making the world a better place, not just playing a game for a living. So thank you to all 32 of these individuals, all the ones I named, the ones I didn't name. It's all very, very deserved and whatnot that will be announced during the NFL honors uh, which is in February after the playoffs before the Super Bowl one thing I did want to talk about and I saw this this was just something I I randomly saw on, on Facebook and it got me thinking the question was is Cam Newton a Hall of Famer? I think that is so interesting to think about. And reading the comments, it really seemed like a lot of people said, LOL, that's a joke. I'm pretty sure I might have quoted somebody by saying that. But sitting down and thinking about it, do I believe that Cam Newton is a Hall of Fame player? I don't know. That is really interesting to think about because my gut instinct is to say he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer, but I think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame eventually. But then seeing everybody saying, no, that's such a joke, made me sit back and think, hmm, why do I think that or why do I feel that way? So looking at Cam Newton's career stats, he has 193 career passing touchdowns, 120 interceptions. He's thrown for 32,000 yards. We'll round it up to 32,000 yards. 60% completion percentage. Now, those are pedestrian passing numbers, right? But we obviously have to take into consideration his rushing numbers because that's what's always made Cam such a 
dynamic player, right? It wasn't just solely what he was doing with his arms. It was what he was doing with his legs. He has 1,087 career rushing attempts for 5,463 yards, 73 total touchdowns on the ground. Those are pretty big numbers, especially when you're thinking about the quarterback position. I mean, we just hadn't seen things like that from the quarterback. I mean, take out Michael Vick because Michael Vick really invigorated a lot of the the running mantra of, of the quarterback, but still it was a little bit different. I think to compare Cam, I and and I don't really love comparisons, but I think about, you know, I have to, I have to think about somebody like Steve McNair or or maybe somebody even like Warren Moon, not so much rushing, but a little bit, kind of, sort of, that, that that bigger mold. I mean, Steve McNair wasn't the, the biggest guy in the world, obviously, but that is, we hadn't seen the, the 6'5 Superman that weighed 260 and was able to move around the way that Cam did and, and do what he did. He did win an MVP, lost in the Super Bowl, pouted after the Super Bowl, which I loathed, but he got there more than some quarterbacks do. But is he a Hall of Fame player? Again, I, I think, in my opinion, I will stick to my guns and I will say that I believe Cam Newton is a Hall of Fame player down the road. He is not going to Canton five years after he retires. I do not think he's going to be a first ballot hall of famer second ballot hall of famer third i think it's going to take some time but i think what cam newton did for the game and and the way he started this trend because it's a lot more popular now than it was right cam came in and was able to to start a little bit of a wave we started seeing the rg3s and the Kyler Murrays and and the Lamar Jacksons of the world where, you know, these guys that are just uber athletic, running around, can make plays with their feet. It kind of started a wave. And I know Cam isn't solely the only guy that did. And like I said, there was Michael Vick and to maybe a little bit lesser of an example, there was Donovan McNabb. And like I said, there were those older guys, Moon and, and, and McNair. So I know he didn't re- create this position or make this thing but dang superman really kind of sort of did in my opinion kind of start really start that wave so i'm gonna stick to my guns i think he does deserve to be in the hall of fame down the road and i i will feel good about saying that i will feel good about saying that so let's get into Pals Picks. Oh, yeah. You know what? I think I did all right for doing both of those parts. I'm pretty proud of myself. So this was a fairly good get right week for me. Adam stubbed his toe a little bit, but it's okay. So right now we are officially tied. We both have 16 wins because I went two and one. With that last second loss with the Ravens over the Steelers, Adam went one and two with being aided by the refs, by the way, with the Washington Raiders game. 
But I digress. All I can ask for at this point of the year is just to be within striking distance, right? That's not even true. You know, last year I was ahead the entire time except for week 17. Man, you know, I, I don't feel good about it. I digress. We will continue on, though, shall we? So, Adam got to give me the games first this week, and he gave me the first game. It's the first game of the week. The Steelers taking on the Vikings in Minnesota. I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers in this one. I think... And, and, and it's tough because Minnesota being in the position of coming off that loss is going to be emotional. They're going to be irritated and ticked off, and they're going to want to get that taste out of the mouth. So they're probably going to come out firing. But I just like this Pittsburgh team a little bit more right now. You know, they have all the rumors circulating about Big Ben and his retirement and all that jazz, which just happens every year. Probably Ben is the one that leaks it out because they he wants to – it happens every year. It's like, yeah, I'm going to retire. And then, you know, they come out and team plays super inspired and they win the game. And so they have that. You know, I'm kind of talking myself into not picking the Steelers, but I'm going to take the Steelers – Adam Thielen is more likely than not still going to be out, and I think that's a big impact. Alexander Madison fills in pretty darn well for Dalvin Cook, but I do still like the Steelers' defense a little bit more. I think the offensive line of the Vikings are going to struggle with the defensive line of Pittsburgh, and I think we'll continue, or we will see, Najee Harris get back on the right track. He's been quiet the last few weeks after such a hot, hot start to his rookie season. I think he's going to get back on track here. I'm going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers on the road. All right. Here's Adam being Adam, giving me the Falcons game. Falcons taking on the Carolina Panthers, who are coming off their bye week and looked pretty darn bad the last time they played. They played... Poorly against the Miami Dolphins. I think, you know, the guy we were just talking about, Cam Newton, I think he's going to get a get right game right here because the Atlanta Falcons do not have the defense that the Miami Dolphins do. I don't think they're going to confuse them nearly as much. Christian McCaffrey has gone back down. He's on IR, so they're going to have Chuba Hubbard. I like to think it was Chuba Hubbard. And I think he's going to be A-OK running against this team. I think Cam Newton's going to get it done against the Falcons this, in this one. I kind of want to pick the Falcons just so I can be like, hey, bud, like I'm supporting you, but I'm going to support him by picking his new home state team, the Carolina Panthers, to get this one done against his Atlanta Falcons because I just don't love the Falcons. I feel like if you stop Cordero Patterson – you, you've, you've pretty much done it because they have Kyle Pitts. Yeah, that's all good and done. That's well. He's going to be a great player. He's already a great player. He's doing much more than I think a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people said he was going to rewrite the record for the rookie tight end. We'll have to revisit that when it all is said and done. But he's he's been really good. But for now, I still like the Panthers' defense. I think... The Panthers fire Joe Brady. They're going to get a little bit of fire lit under them. And Cam Newton does not want to get benched again. That was embarrassing for him. We're talking about a guy that calls himself Superman, right? He's going to want to get right game. He's going to want to pull that jersey off and reveal that S. I think he gets it done here at home against a rival in the Falcons. 
All right, here is the last game that Adam gave me. This is one, I mean, all three of these have been tough to pick. I could very well go 0-3, which would be disastrous. But the San Francisco 49ers traveling to take on those Cincinnati Bengals with Joe Burrow and his messed up pinky. Both teams coming off losses. This is a tough one for me. I'm thinking about it. Because I feel like I had myself convinced to go with the 49ers, but I think, I think I'm going to go with the Bengals because the 49ers are banged up too right now. They pretty much had every single running back get hurt in that game. <laughs> I, I laugh when I shouldn't, but it's it's literally true. Eliza, Elijah Mitchell, who has lit up the 49ers and taken that by storm, went out with a concussion. Um... Jeff Wilson, uh, I believe it was a finger injury. Trenton Cannon got a concussion. Jermichael Hasty was the only one that didn't get hurt because he didn't play. So obviously, you know, Mitchell or Cannon can come back and can play. They can clear, excuse me, the concussion protocol and, and suit up and play. But I'm still going to go with the home team. I think I saw enough from Joe Burrow in that passing game, even after the immediate injury to his finger. And I think having a week to to heal up, to adjust, is going to be helpful. And I think, like I said, he has Joe Mixon back there who's having a heck of a year. I'm going to go with the Cincinnati Bengals in that one. So I took the Steelers on the road, and then I took the Carolina Panthers and the Bengals at home. So there are my three pals picks. For Adam, I gave him that Baltimore Ravens-Cleveland Browns game. Adam decided to go with the Cleveland Browns. And, And it's one that I understand. Like I said, the Browns have been stewing on this one. They played them two weeks ago, technically. They had their bye week, and then they're going to come right back. This is a game that Lamar Jackson two weeks ago had four interceptions. Still, the Baltimore Ravens were able to eke it out. Like I said a few weeks ago, though, when we were on the air, or last week, I should say, the Cleveland Browns have scored over 20 points just two times since October 3rd. It has been two calendar months since they have done that more than two times. And that's just not going to get it it done. So I'm going to be really fascinated to watch this game. We have to see which team is going to show up because both teams can ball out, but both teams can also just completely not show up. Forget it's Sunday. They're thinking it's Friday, and they're like, yeah, you know what? We're going to put on our comfy pants and not do a whole lot. He's taking the Browns in this one. Like I said, I understand it, but it's going to be a really fun matchup to watch. Second game I gave him, I gave a... Actually, all three games I gave him are divisional games, so all big impact games. This one, I have him with the Dallas Cowboys traveling to take on the Washington football team. Now, he said, and I quote, This one is tough. Make it clear, if you can, that I feel Dallas should win. But I'm picking Washington. I hear him 100%. I think Adam and and I'm in the same boat. 
this feel Washington or excuse me, Dallas is just the team that we put the crown on earlier this season. We said they got this. They're so talented. You know, they were they were running away with it. Their defense was playing lights out. They were having so many takeaways. They were just making teams look silly. And then they hit this big road bump a little bit. Whereas on the other side, you know, we go back to October to Halloween. We had Washington. They couldn't win a game that was being gifted to them by the Denver Broncos. They were 2-6. and six. They've since went on their own streak. They're sitting in the playoff race right now. They can still technically win this division if they were to beat Dallas in these two upcoming games. He's picking Washington. He feels like this is a game Dallas should win because I think for all intents and purposes, they're probably, not probably, they are the better team, but we just have to see it come together. Historically, Dak has owned Washington. Will this be different? I'm not sure. I really completely agree with Adam here. I feel like Dallas should win, but it's really kind of feeling like it's going to be a Washington win. So we will watch and see how that pans out. Last but not least, the Monday night game. This is going to be an exciting one. An NFC West showdown. The LA Rams take on the Arizona Cardinals. Adam is taking the Cardinals in this one, and the Cardinals will put a stamp on that division. They will really put a pretty big stamp on maintaining that number one seed, in my opinion, if they do win this game. This one I'm excited about because there's so much star power all over the place. These two teams are loaded with talent. We know LA traded and put the chips in. They went, quote, all in. They said that, not me. I mean, I did, but they literally, their Twitter, when they made the trade, when they signed OBJ, when they made the trade for Von Miller, they have a, they made a tweet pushing their chips in. They said, we're all in. And they paid for it with three straight losses in November. They didn't win in November because they also had their bye week in November. They got a get-right game against Jacksonville because poor Jacksonville, but you can't do much. So they got a get-right game. They kind of washed their hands a little bit. We have to see if this team can compete with the big dogs because they have struggled with the big dogs thus far, and they're looking pretty good right now at being in the playoff race, but if they get there, I don't know if there's going to be a lot of teams that are, quote, intimidated to play them because they haven't really shown a great physicality. They've shown that they can get beat in a plethora of ways. Matthew Stafford's not playing that well, but man, it is a prideful team, so they are not going to want to just hand the division to these Arizona Cardinals. I'm really excited to watch this one and see what happens, see what pans out. It's going to be an exciting Monday night game. And it's going to be the only game of the year that I root for the LA Rams because I definitely want those Cardinals to go down for my own sake. So I'm going to be a Rams fan on Monday. going to be the only time I'm a Rams fan, but I will be rooting for them then. But Adam, on the contrary, is taking the Cardinals. So there is Palace Picks. So Adam is taking the Cleveland Browns over the Baltimore Ravens, the Washington football team over the Dallas Cowboys, and the Arizona Cardinals over the L.A. Rams. Going to be a good weekend of football here. What am I excited about other than the games that we just talked about? 
I am excited about the Bills-Bucks matchup, and that was a game that I did not give Adam because he already kind of, he told me that he expects the Buffalo Bills to lose the game, so he tipped his cap one way, so I didn't want to give him the Pals pick to get that point because I'm, I'm hungry for points. Points are like kneecaps to me, and I'm a Detroit Lion. So I'm going for it. So I didn't give him that game, but that is going to be a good one. That is a 430 game, I believe. But yeah, this is going to be Josh Allen up and coming. You know, the Bills, they're coming off uh, another loss. But, you know, that means they're going to get a win this week and then they'll just lose the next week because that's what this season's been for not just the Buffalo Bills, just everybody. But the Buffalo Bills roller coaster has just been win losses instead of uneven performances. I digress. It's going to be a good one. It's down in Tampa. We'll see if the Buffalo Bills can kind of slay their dragon in Tom Brady, something they haven't really been able to do in a long time. How about that Antonio Brown drama, though, from from Tampa and everything? Man, what is going on with that guy? It's too much. Fake COVID card, and now people are saying that, you know— Bruce Arians went out when they first signed Antonio Brown and said, you know, one strike he's out. We don't really need him. He's on a tight leash, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, he has that He has that strike now. We haven't seen anything. Bruce Arians came out and said there was no decision made yet. But this is like one of those weird psychological quandaries, right, where we have to see if he really meant what he said, if he's going to put his money where his mouth is or keep true to his word. It's some drama going on there, and I know – Adam would be rolling his eyes when we brought that up because here we are again talking about Antonio Brown. I will say they looked pretty darn okay against those Atlanta Falcons. Who needs Antonio Brown when you have Chris Godwin just catching 400 passes, right? Good for Chris Godwin, though. PSU, way to be, buddy, way to be. I'm excited about that game, though. We'll have to see. We Here's my friend's fortune, everybody. Tom Brady will throw more than three passes against the Buffalo Bills this week. Nah, that's not it. But wouldn't it be nice if it was? No one to no one to complain if I really did say that. It's not, though. I'll say a real one at the end. So that was uh, Pals Picks, what I'm looking forward to. I'm also looking forward to seeing my Green Bay Packers play on Sunday night. They very well could clinch the division uh, this week, depending on how some things play out, and that is something I want to talk about real quick here, is there are some playoff implications and whatnot going on this week. Some teams can lock up their respective spots. So, it obviously starts first with the team at the top of the division in the NFC, right? The Arizona Cardinals, they will clinch... The playoff berth, if Arizona wins or ties or Minnesota loses or ties and San Francisco, there's there's a whole lot. I'm not going to go through all of them. But isn't it cool, though, that Arizona can clinch a playoff berth this weekend just by winning? They can't clinch their division, but they can clinch a playoff berth, which is very, very cool. So all they need to do is win. Adams says they're going to. So based on Adams' prediction, the Arizona Cardinals this week will clinch a playoff spot. The Green Bay Packers are also in a position. They can clinch the NFC North Divisional title if Minnesota loses on Thursday against the Steelers, which I said I think they're going to. And Green Bay wins. They beat Chicago in Green Bay on Sunday night. 
or they can just clinch a playoff berth if they win, and then there's you know all these different scenarios. New Orleans loses, San Francisco loses, etc. We're not going to get into all that because you know that's just too much to talk about. The third and the last situation right now is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they can clinch the NFC South divisional title if they win, and New Orleans and Carolina loses. They can clinch a playoff berth if Tampa ties. Carolina loses, New Orleans loses, (laughs) oh my gosh, this is crazy, Minnesota loses, San Francisco loses, and Washington loses, so a lot more going on there, wouldn't it just be easier to win the NFC South at that point, maybe we don't see the NFC get locked up this weekend, maybe the way that we see some other things go on, but regardless, three teams with playoff clinching situations right now in the NFC for week 14. Nothing yet for the AFC quite, quite yet. So we will see that. And that's just because there's so much close runnings going on in the AFC that just nothing's able to get locked up quite yet. But, you know, that's what keeps it interesting as we head down the home stretch here. And we'll have to see as these these pictures start becoming more and more clear and, and what's going on with with all of that. And, you know, like Adam said, Buffalo, after week 14, very well could be on the outside of the playoff picture looking in, but it's only week 14. There's still week 15, 16, 17, and 18. We still have a lot of football to be played. It's going to be played into early to mid-January, so we do have that extra week. So nothing is set in stone here yet, except for maybe these couple NFC teams. So, you know, there's there's a lot to happen here. Do not fret everybody it's going to be a okay all right let's get into friend's fortune i was wrong last week with jonathan taylor which was a bummer because he definitely had the game script for me to be correct he had like 30 plus touches i think it might have been 32 touches runs i should say not just touches carries and still didn't top that 200 yard mark it's a bummer you know what not my mvp Nah, I'm just kidding. He still had a great game, ran two touchdowns, had, I believe, a buck 30. I'm going to look this up just to confirm what's going on. But it, it was a bummer to see my friend's fortune not come to fruition when he had every reason to against that game against the Houston Texans. He had 143 yards on 32 carries. So he he ran the ball well. He did not catch a ball, but you know what? He carried it 32 times. My goodness, that's still an average of four and a half yards yards a carry. It's pretty darn impressive. Sounds like an MVP to me, right? But it's going to be Tom Brady, everybody. It's just going to be. The dude put up four more touchdowns. I don't want to talk about Tom Brady and the MVP right now. It's just going to make me depressed. Regardless, friend's fortune for this week, and this is a this is a tough one because I'm really thinking about this. This could totally change because I'm going to go with the impression Keenan Allen. Everybody, just so you're aware, did get placed on the COVID-19 list. He is fully vaccinated, so all he needs to do is test, have a negative test, two times, 24 hours apart. So. With it being only Tuesday right now, it is very possible that he does play on Sunday against the New York football giants. But I'm going to say this friend's fortune has the assumption that he does not play. 
And I'm going to say Mike Williams, who started the year so darn hot and then cooled off dramatically, is going to have a gigantic, I don't know if I should say gigantic, maybe that's an over-exaggeration right now, right? He's going to have a huge game against the New York football giants. We just saw them get lit up by Tua Tungavailoa with his connection to Jalen Waddell. I think Justin Herbert is going to have a connection with Mike Williams this week, and Mike Williams is going to go for over 160 yards and a touchdown against the New York football giants. But I will say he's going to do it on 10 or less receptions. So Mike Williams is going to have 160 yards and a touchdown on 10 or less receptions. That's my friend's fortune against the New York Giants. You heard it here first, everybody. Well, there we go, everybody. Thank you so very much for being with me today. My name is Josh Lapping. You're listening to Solo Catch. No, I'm just kidding. It is Simultaneous Catch. If you are so pleased, please leave us a review on iTunes. Give us uh, some, some good stars there. If you're listening on iTunes or whatever listening device you are, listening platform I should say you are listening to, look us up on Instagram. We are at Catch. I believe that is the thing. Usually Adam does this part, so I'm not totally sure. But look us up. You will see our big old mugs there from our logo. Everybody, I hope you have a wonderful week 14. Stay safe. We are getting ready for the holiday season, and I am excited. We are getting down down to the nitty-gritty. If you haven't done your Christmas shopping yet, go do so. What are you waiting for? (laughs) Who am I talking? You know, sometimes I'm the king of getting late Christmas gifts and giving my friends gifts in March, so I don't judge. Regardless, everybody, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. It has been a pleasure And I look forward to having my partner back with me next week as we continue to talk and navigate this roller coaster of an NFL season. We will see how things play out. And right now, all I have to say is go Josh in Pals Picks. Thank you, everybody. Have a great weekend. Enjoy week 14.